0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hey, folks. Welcome to another episode of Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, where we're helping you every week take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm the host and one of the advisors on the show, along with Kevin Corhorn, who's one of the other advisors with me over at Corhorn Financial Group. And we have another special guest today.
2: Yes, Ryan Fair. Tax planning is one of the most important components of someone's financial plan yet few people actually end up ever doing it. So our special guest, Ryan Fair, is one of our CPAs, and he heads up our tax and accounting department at Corhorn Financial Group. He's going to help us break down what tax planning is and why it is so important.
1: All right, folks, it's your show. Go to wisemoneyradio.com to submit a question or a comment or an argument. Hey, we welcome all sorts of feedback, right? It's a breakfast of champions. If you're driving, give us a call, 574 222 2000. Lastly, check us out on Facebook at Wise Money Radio. We're posting, oh, we've got actually an article today that we're going to be posting about some tax fraud. Uh, So go there, check it out and join the conversation throughout the week. So, okay, folks, So we're going to be talking about taxes. Let me ask you, let me start with this. If I were to ask you to tell me whether this tax year was a good year for you or a bad year for you, how would you determine that? How would you decide? I think it's just human nature to say well if I got a refund then it was a good year right and if I owed money then it was a bad year and inherently well I wouldn't argue with you but financially I would actually because your refund is all dependent upon how much you're actually withholding right so if you wanted a bigger refund let's say $6,000 refund well we could just increase your withholdings by 500 bucks a month so it's really not all about refund it's actually more about How much tax are you paying? And I think we'd all agree, well, a good tax year is when I'm paying the least amount of tax. And uh, so that's what we've got Ryan Fair, CPA here. We're going to be talking about that very issue. How can you legally (laughs) pay less in tax? All right. So Ryan, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and then we'll dive right in.
3: All right. Thanks, Mike. Hey, glad to be here. And a quick snippet about myself. i local guy grew up down in North Liberty, lived in Mishawaka the last 10 years, Went to college down at Indiana State University.
1: Go trees. Or what is Easy.
3: it? Easy. Yep, sycamore <laughs> trees. Okay. Uh, married to my wife, who also attended Indiana State. And now we've got two wonderful girls, three-year-old and the five-year-old. And uh, so I started back with Kevin at Corvin Financial Group 15 years ago. So I'm one of the, uh, the old guys.
1: That's right. Well, Ryan and I trained together. And he, we were both learning how to be a financial advisor, learning all the technical stuff. And we were studying the part about taxes. And I, I remember after a night of studying, come in and we shared an office at the time. And I would say, oh my goodness, that stuff is dry. And Ryan was like, what are you talking about? I really like it. And the planning side I like, but Ryan likes the details. And,
2: and so he's a great person to be on our team for that. And I think Ryan left out one of the most important things about himself and his life is that he is a collector of gas and oil memorabilia.
1: So, uh, folks, that's I'm going
2: to tell you: go to wisemoneyradio.com
1: if you've got some stuff that you want to barter and trade, and so on, gas and oil stuff. Well, where does that originate, Ryan? R- uh, my quick. family. My yeah. dad and
3: my 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 dad and my grandpa were both in the gas uh, gas and oil business, as far as gas stations. So, I started collecting oil cans, gas pump signs, all that stuff. So, if you want your taxes done for free, bring me <laughs> some good stuff for trade. There you go.
1: All right. So, Ryan, he's a CPA okay and CPAs are commonly known as the trusted advisor Ryan himself does a few hundred tax returns every year so Mm -hmm. basically serves as the trusted advisor for several hundred people in our community and leads our entire tax team where we're helping people prepare their taxes about 2,000 people each year so Ryan what is tax
3: preparation and what's its goal? Yep so tax preparation that's it's just an annual event that everybody has to do they have to report their income for the prior year to the government and make sure that they pay the proper amount of tax to to the government for that income. So it's part of our culture in America. We know that every year by April 15th have to fill out their tax forms so that the government knows how you did last year and see if you paid in enough or if you still owe more. So the goal every year is to report the situation accurately. That's you know number one goal. We want an accurate tax return and then as we're going to talk about, to pay as little as possible in tax. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's the problem is that many times you're handcuffed by the time tax co- tax time comes around where you can't do anything to change the situation by the time April's here.
1: Yeah, so then now we're making the distinction. So that's tax preparation, file an accurate tax return on time. Kevin, what is tax planning and what's its objective?
2: Well, tax planning is one of the six areas of financial planning. So if you are working with a certified financial planner, you would be doing tax planning. And really, what I think about when I think about tax planning it's looking for opportunities and it's opportunities to improve your situation as as uh, Ryan mentioned, it's reporting your situation accurately. but there are tax planning opportunities that you can take advantage of most in in the current calendar year, some after the fact, but mostly in the current calendar year to, as Ryan said, pay as little as you can in taxes, but paying as little as you can in taxes, I would want people to think of as a lifelong endeavor. So it's not how do I pay the least in taxes or zero out my tax bill today, but how do I do it over my lifetime? And in reality, if you're doing a good job of planning, it's not just your lifetime, but it's your children's lifetime as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, let's talk about some of the benefits then Of tax planning. I mean, that helps figure out, like you said, different opportunities that are available to you, but let's, let's talk through some of the benefits.
2: Well, I, the benefits are really, in my opinion, illustrated with stories. So I was just meeting with some folks and because of significant medical expenses, they didn't pay any taxes last year. Mm. And they were pretty, they're feeling pretty good about that. And that's, That's okay. About the medical expenses or about not paying taxes? About not paying taxes. Because they've, for years and years and years, they paid so much in taxes. Well, the reality is they've got about a half million dollars in IRA money. So that money is sitting there, and they could have pulled money out of the IRA last year and paid no taxes on it, or even gone up and and gone through either the 10% or 15% tax bracket, but pulled money out and paid little to no taxes on the money that they pulled out and and be, been in a much better position for either them to spend that money or their children to spend that money so the 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 definition in their mind of what happened last year hey there's a victory here because we didn't pay any taxes but i i would challenge that uh that thinking and say no you want to pay as much tax as you can in the lowest possible bracket. That's, that's kind of our philosophy in a nutshell of how you'd want to do it. Yeah. I had an occurrence and it's got a sad ending
1: this year because sadly, um, this individual, my friend passed away uh, just actually a few weeks ago, but he owned a a small business and because of actually some government regulations a few years ago, the business went under and uh, it was about a decade ago. And so they had filed bankruptcy, had lots of losses, and no, this isn't uh, going to dovetail into Trump's story here, but essentially he had lots of write-offs for these businesses, but he had built up about, oh, $300,000 in IRA contributions that normally when you withdraw these, you've got to pay tax on. And he didn't really need the money. They, he was older and so on until so that money was going to be passed down to his kids at his death. And they were all going to pay tax. And I know all of his kids, all four of them, they're all working. Okay. And like I said, he passed away a couple weeks ago and they would have inherited this money and had to pay tax on it. But because of these losses and because he wanted to do planning, we said, well, you should start shifting some of these dollars from your IRA to a Roth IRA. We, that's called a Roth conversion. We're going to talk about it more in just a minute. We did that for about $250,000. Over on that $250,000, he paid about 2000 in tax. And now his kids, all four girls inherited that money tax free.
2: Yeah. And the question would be to the kids, Hey, would you rather inherit money that you have to pay taxes on, or inherit money that's tax-free? And it's it's really not a toughie. Yeah. So that that the answers. trick
1: the trick with tax planning is there isn't one defined strategy that works for everyone. It your situation is as unique as your DNA. Your tax situation has all sorts of moving pieces to it, and so the tax planning process is ongoing and it evolves. What makes sense one year might not make sense the next year if you have a new child or if you earned more or less or a job change, something like that. And so really the planning process goes on and on and it evolves and adapts. We're gonna be talking about our three favorite tax planning strategies uh, uh, coming up very soon uh, just to see so that you know a little bit more about them and you can see if they apply to your own situation. So, that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 953, Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Hey, we're so glad to have you with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. I'm Mike Bernard alongside Kevin Corhorn and special guest Ryan Fair, CPA and uh, all-around good guy with Corhorn Financial Group. Special thanks to the attorneys at Leduc, Kern, and Keene and First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. We're talking about tax planning. Kind of difficult topic to dissect here, but we're making the case that really taxes aren't an event where you file a return. That's tax preparation. We're talking about the importance of tax planning, and we're just getting into the meat of it here. Uh, if you have a question or comment, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call, 507 222 2000 all right, folks, so I told you we've got CPA Ryan Fair in the room with us. Before we get into our favorite tax planning strategies, Ryan, why don't you start by talking about some of the big tax changes people need to be aware of this year?
3: Okay, thanks, Mike. Uh, there's a number of them this year. They're, none of them are huge, but there's a lot of them that are worth covering, so we're going to go through real quick through these. So the due dates, there's a big change in due dates this year for for a number of people. Not everybody, but people that are part of a partnership, their due date has now changed, as well as if you're a C corporation. So C corporations used to file March 15th, they've moved to April 15th. Partnerships have gone the other way. So they used to be due April 15th, now they're March 15th. Uh, so the, they're changing the deadline, the, the due deadline, date. yep. For keeping those. it real,
2: it, it, simplifying the tax code. I love it.
3: <laughs> yep, that's what they're about. The, the other thing for all of us that are just regular individuals paying our 1040 tax returns. Those are due April 17th again. So they've added a couple extra days. April
1: 15th has such a bad rap. But for the past several years, the due date hasn't been April 15th.
3: Yep. That means another weekend of working during tax season so we can get stuff done (laughs) for Monday.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or of worry for a lot of folks who think, oh, my goodness, I've got to get these things done. So,
3: Hey, on the bright side, if you owe, you've got two extra days to pay the tax.
2: (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Make that money, get those taxes paid. That's right. There we go.
3: Uh, the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, all of that stuff is still impacting our tax returns. This year, the penalties go up a lot for not having health insurance. Last year, it was $325 a person. This year, it jumps all the way up to $695 a person. And so that's a, a big deal that starts affecting a lot more people, yeah. penalizing a lot more that kicks in for 16
2: Yep. So when you <laughs> say person, are you talking about if it's a married couple and neither of them have health insurance... They each owe six ninety five.
3: Yes, or there's a percentage of income also that comes into play. So it's a it's a whole complex calculation basically that that ties everything together to figure out what your penalty is going to be.
2: And they have mechanisms to determine whether or not you actually had health insurance.
3: Yes. Yep. There's ten ninety nines or ten ninety fives, just like just like ten ninety nines and W twos that go out that they go out the ten ninety fives do from the insurance companies or from the government saying whether or not you got insurance for each month.
1: Well, at least there isn't any of our revenue tax dollars going towards making that whole system work, right? That's right. One of the other big changes, Ryan, I'm assuming is on your list, we've talked about it on the Wise Money Show before, is the big FAFSA change, right? So that's one where uh, it used to be, if you had a child in college or about to be in school, you needed to fill out your FAFSA and fill out your financial aid application to figure out how much, well, what financial aid package you were going to get need to get your tax return done right away so you can get that filed by March 10 or March 1st now folks that deadline or actually the application opens October 1st that was a couple weeks ago so you can follow your FAFSA right now you do that off of the prior prior year tax return so you'd be using 2015's tax return that's a big big change we've hit it a couple times
2: here but if that applies to you take action yeah, you definitely don't want to procrastinate on that. So if you have not gotten that done, find someone who can help you and encourage you to get your FAFSA done. Because October 1st, the window opened, and you're used to that uh, window open January 1st. So let's get that done. All the information to get it done exists.
3: Anything else, Ryan? Any other big changes? Yeah, actually, there's going to be a number of timing things that come into play this year, all primarily due to identity thefts. So we've all been here in news from the IRS about identity theft. In fact, just this week, the there were officials over in India that arrested 70 workers and have detained up to 700 of them for these IRS spoof phone calls where they oh. call and demand payment and really harass people. And so they they said that they, they collect up to 150000 a day in these fake phone calls from the IRS. So, oh my goodness. So as a result of that, the IRS is changing a lot of their their procedures to yeah. start screening for identity theft, theft a lot more, a lot, lot better I guess. 2013, here's a couple of stats for you. 2013 the IRS paid out 5.8 billion dollars in fraudulent refunds. Wow. Next year they got better, the IRS did, only paid out 3.1 billion dollars.
1: Oh my goodness.
3: And so each of those years they stopped another 22 to 25 billion of, of payments going out fraudulently. So what they're doing is they're, they're screening the e-filed tax returns and all the returns that come in. They're starting to screen those a lot more, a lot close, closer when they, when they come in. Back in 2012, they had a total of 11 filters on their filing computers. When they would come in, all the tax returns would go through 11 filters. 2016, there's gonna be 183 different filters that these returns go through. So what that means for us is hopefully less in the uh, less fraudulent claims that the government's paying out, but that's also going to mean potentially a little bit longer refunds this year. They're still saying three weeks, which is a little bit longer than normal, um, but they're they're going to start screening stuff a lot more closely. They've also changed the the refund times. A lot of the fraud happens right at the beginning of tax season. So January first, they start filing these fake tax returns, the fake W twos made-up numbers to try to claim the refunds. They also claim dependents, they're, you know, claiming other people's kids as their dependent and Social Security numbers so they can get the refunds. One of those refunds is the earned income credit that's really just loaded with fraud, and so they're going to delay those refunds so they won't be coming out right the beginning of January. They've pushed them back a few weeks into January before they start processing those returns, and so that's going to change the refund times for a lot of people.
2: Yeah, we actually uh, have put up on the Wise Money Show Facebook page and on the blog, we put a link to a show that was on CNBC called American Greed, and there was a guy that was living in the forest in California filing fake tax returns, and he defrauded the government of about $5 million by doing this. And so it's, it's a real issue. We've had clients... Come in and say, "Hey, I need to get my uh, taxes filed." We've gone to file them and found, "Hey, you've already had a, a tax return filed for your social security number." So this this is a this is a big deal.
3: Yeah, you is. know
1: what it makes me think of is uh, number one, folks, it's not gonna get any easier to file your taxes, right? right. And it also makes me think of there's a lot of folks out there who are relying on their tax refund for, to pay for a spring break, right? Most people are getting their taxes done right at spring break or that new furniture, or maybe you already made a purchase and it's on a 0% card and you're waiting on your refund to get that, that thing paid off and whoops, you go to file your tax return and someone has already fraudulently filed a return in your social security number or because of all these bad apples, your refund is delayed. I had someone's last year delayed until September, six months. So folks, just relying your financial life working if it if it needs to work by relying on your big tax refund, folks, that's not a good strategy. And that's that's part of why we're doing the show today.
2: Yeah, and and we talk about the the length of time it takes to get a refund if you're planning on that, but really as things have changed, the length of time before you can actually file your return if you've got any kind of 1099s coming from your investments, or K ones or things like this. If you're uh, involved with a partnership, so the the window in which you can actually file your return has gotten smaller because it's uh, you, you can you know with a lot of things it forces you to file later, and then the uh, the refund here makes it kind of tricky. Yeah. So folks, we're talking about
1: tax planning today. Well, Ryan, any other updates on anything other changes?
3: Yeah, there was a there was a big. Uh, act called the PATH Act right at the end of 2015 that basically extended a lot of the prior year tax stuff. So if you remember years past, right at the end of December each year, we hear about Congress going back and forth and whether or not they're going to extend, you know, depreciation limits and certain tax credits, everything before the end of that year. And when we're talking about tax planning, that gives us no time to plan because we Mm -hmm. don't know if this stuff is actually going to come to realization for the year until the last couple of weeks of the year. Yep. So finally, the end of 2015, they extended it. So we know that everything's in place for this year. We're going to be talking about our three favorite tax strategies coming up. You're not going to want to miss it. Here on Wise Money
1: with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Welcome back to Wise Money with Corehorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike, joined with Kevin and special guest Ryan Fair, CPA and tax preparer from Corehorn Financial Group. Thank you to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and the Inspired team at RE-MAX 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Today's show has all been about the importance of tax planning. If you missed anything, check out the podcast. Go ahead and subscribe to it on iTunes. You can also find it at wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question there as well. And lastly, you can give us a call, 574-222-2000. All right, last segment, we were talking about all of the changes and updates that are taking place in the taxes this year. I actually made a note. We didn't talk about it last time. Since 2001, Congress has made over 5,000 changes to the tax code. How is the average person supposed to keep up with that? Give me a break, Congress. Come on. All right. But we're going to be talking about some of our favorite tax planning strategies. You've heard us talk about these before, but we're going to break them down a little bit just in case they apply to you helping everyone know a little bit more about them. So the first one that we talk about all the time, I think this one is my favorite, and that is doing a Roth conversion. Yep.
3: So yeah, Roth conversion that Mike talked about that with his client uh, at the beginning of the show where you're in simplest firm, form, you're just taking money out of your traditional IRA and moving it over to a Roth IRA.
1: Yep. And that, when you do that, a lot of times people think, oh, well, I don't have, I actually did have someone not actually record that on their tax return. They think, oh, I can move this. It's a tax strategy. I'm shifting it over. I don't have to report it on my tax return. But folks, that's one of the traps here is when you make that shift, you've got to claim that as income on your tax return. So you really need to make sure that it makes sense to do that.
2: Yeah. And the big idea here, you say, well, what? Why, how do I determine whether or not I would take money out of my IRA? and just put it in a non-IRA investment versus put it in to a Roth IRA. It's called a conversion. Why, why would I convert it to a Roth IRA instead of just putting it in the bank or in another investment? And the reason is a Roth IRA grows tax-free forever. So I would call that, I refer to that as the 24-karat gold Cadillac. That is an amazing, amazing deal. Yeah.
1: So if you're listening to this, And for some reason, you're having an off year for income, uh, and you are going to make less than you normally make because you've had a job interruption or health change, something like that. This might be a good year to do a tax or a Roth conversion. If you've recently retired, but you haven't started drawing Social Security yet, that's actually my favorite window as... um, we do Roth conversions a lot for folks that are suddenly making less, but that's usually be it's a result of a bad thing. But when you first retire, there's sometimes a gap between when you retire and when you start drawing Social Security. Those that's my favorite time. You can shift a lot of dollars at a very very low tax rate from an IRA to a Roth and get those dollars growing tax free for you, like
2: Kevin mentioned. Yeah, that's that is a, that is a huge deal. And the other the other person that we're talking to is if you know that your folks are retired and they're not filing a tax return, but they have IRA money. You, they need to meet with a tax planner as soon as possible, mm-hmm. even even to get it in for this year. Because if I'm not filing a tax return, it means I'm not paying any taxes. And if I'm not paying any taxes, but I've got IRA money, I need to get the money shifted from IRA to non IRA. So, and I, I just had this situation, some folks came in and they said, Hey, we need some help closing out this account. Um, we don't file any taxes. We, we just take our required minimum distribution from our IRAs. And so that's what happens when you hit 70 and a half, you have to pull money out and, and the government gives some guidelines for that. So I looked and said, we're not paying any taxes. And the question is, would your children rather inherit the this money when you're done with it? in a format that they're going to have to pay taxes on it themselves, or would they rather get it tax-free? Tax-free. Yep. Because you can't take your RMD, your required minimum distribution, and convert it to a Roth IRA, but you can take the, any amount of money above your required minimum distribution and convert it to a Roth IRA. We
1: just got in the weeds a little bit there, but, but essentially there are rules here that you need to be very aware of. The last thing that you need to be aware of before we transition is if you're younger than 59 and a half, and you do a Roth conversion, and you withhold taxes against that. Watch out, because that money that's withheld is technically considered withdrawn. Even though it's sent to the government and it's withholding, you're doing your civic duty. No, you're actually going to pay tax and a penalty on that thing. That's a bad day when you realize that. So, so seek the help of a professional if you're doing this strategy. Second strategy I'm going to mention real quick. We've talked about it tons, and we're going to be devoting a show on, uh, on this very topic coming up very soon we, because we get all sorts of questions on it, and that's using the 529 plan to save up for your child's college. The 529 plan is very similar to a Roth IRA. It's just for college purpose. You put money in after tax. You don't get a benefit when, uh, or, well, if you don't live in Indiana, you don't get a benefit on the way in. But it grows tax-deferred, and if you use that money for college, you withdraw it tax-free. If you live in Indiana and pay Indiana state tax, you get a 20% state tax credit on the first $5,000 that you contribute for your household, which is a screaming good deal. So that's that's our second favorite tax strategy. The last strategy we're going to talk about is really kind of a conglomerate, and I'm going to essentially pass the mic over to Ryan here, because there are several, several tax credits that you get or deductions that you could get if your adjusted gross income, or just think of it as your income, is below a certain amount, well, wait a second. I want to earn as much as I possibly can and get bonuses and all of that. But if you do that, you might miss out on some of the goodies. So, how can you reduce your adjusted gross income in order to uh, in in order to maximize some of these benefits? So, folks. Once again, we've got CPA Ryan Fair with us today who's going to talk about some of the ways that you can reduce your income and receive some of these credits. Explain some of them as well.
3: All right, so real quick, the ways you can reduce your adjusted gross income. The easiest one right off to, to cherry pick is to contribute to your retirement plans. So if you've got a plan through work, you can crank money into those, and every dollar that you put in reduces your taxable income. Before it even shows up on your tax return, so that's one way to squeeze down your income. If you've got a, a health savings account eligible insurance plan, so
1: a high deductible health plan that's eligible for an HSA, yep,
3: then Mike hit it. You can you can contribute to that health savings account, and really, again, you can put a lot of money into those. If it's a family plan, especially, you can contribute. Every dollar you put in reduces your taxable income. So. Again, think of that working a lot like a traditional IRA. Since we've been comparing in stuff with the Roths and tra- traditionals, health savings account works like a traditional. Uh, the other way, capital losses. So everybody hates to have losses on their investments. If You have a non-retirement plan that you have stocks or mutual funds in, they're paying out dividends or capital gains every year. It, you can deduct up to $3,000 per year of capital losses. So Although most people like to hold on to those dogs until, you know, with the hope of them going back up someday at the end of the year, you know, cash out some of it, sell it, reinvest it in something else. And you can claim that capital loss of up to 3000 per year and anything unused carries forward to future years too, if you've got a bunch.
1: So I was meeting with a friend of mine, Doug, uh, earlier in, well, actually just a couple weeks ago and he just retired this year and got a nice So he basically worked all year, Got a nice bonus, retired at the start of the fourth quarter. And so this was going to be his last big tax, bad tax year. And he had in, inherited uh, some stocks from his father. And there was one that we didn't really like that had a loss. And we were able to sell that this year. He's going to be able to claim that loss against this bigger income that he's got this year. and Because he's really not going to need those deductions moving forward. So really big strategy, Ryan, that definitely complements that. So, run down through some of the credits that you might be eligible for if you uh, apply some of these, uh, these strategies.
3: Sure. So yeah, these strategies, again, we're trying to just reduce your adjusted gross income or your AGI, and the reason that we're, we're trying for that is to become eligible for a bunch of these other tax credits. So re- regarding children, there's a child tax credit, it's $1,000 that you get on your tax return per kid that they're, is the years that they're under 17. So that starts the year that they're born. So if you have a child December 30th, you can, you can take that child tax credit this year, but it gets phased out as your adjusted gross income goes up. And once it gets above 110,000, it phases out from a thousand down to zero by the time you get to 130,000 of adjusted gross income. There's lots of different education credits then as well. Mer- I, I actually, there's
1: enough education credits there. I, I want to I dive into those a little bit more. So okay. we've got to hit some listener questions as well, but I also want to touch on some of those uh, some of those college credits. So okay. that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired team at RE-MAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies program. Hey folks, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel. My name's Mike Bernard in the MNC studio with Kevin Corhorn and special guest CPA Ryan Fair. If you've missed anything, go to wisemoneyradio.com. You can submit a question that way or even give us a call, 574-222-2000. Lastly, I'd point you to the uh, Facebook page at Wise Money Radio. Kevin mentioned earlier when we were talking about tax scams uh, an article that we're going to be posting there. A very, very interesting read. Something that is gaining momentum. What did you say earlier, Ryan? There were uh, $3 billion of fraudulent tax refunds paid out a couple yeah. of years ago. $5 billion the year before. That is just scary stuff. So go there, check it out, join the conversation. Okay, folks. So we're talking about tax planning, talking about some of our favorite tax planning strategies. We've got a couple of questions from fans of the show that relate to taxes. We're going to hit in just a moment, but Ryan... We were talking about some of the potential credits that people get when their adjusted gross income is below a certain point and these are ones where if you can get your adjusted gross income below a certain threshold it can mean thousands of dollars
3: yeah there's no doubt some of the biggest credits that are available to the average average american are the education credits basically they're incentives to go to college get your education and so, we,
1: all, we all know how the middle class is getting squeezed right, right now, right? And taxes are going up and so on. So being aware and doing tax planning to make sure you're getting these goodies is critically important.
3: Right. And so here, I'm the I'm the nerd in the room, so I'll start spouting out all kinds of different dollar amounts and phase-outs and credit amounts. So the American Opportunity is, is the first uh, credit that's available for education. You get 100% back of the first $2,000 of education costs. And then 25% of the next 2000 So the maximum credit there is $2,500 that you can get back. If you
1: spend four grand.
3: If you spend four grand.
1: Then you get $2,500 of it back. Wasn't there someone campaigning about free college here <laughs> earlier? That's not quite <laughs> well, it, but that. you have got to take advantage of that.
3: Right. And so we were talking about squeezing down the AGI. The reason is because that phases out for a married couple between $160,000 and $180,000 of adjusted gross income. So if you and your spouse both work and you're both making around
1: $80,000 a year, you might not be getting, I mean, that to me, that's still middle class. Right. You might be missing out on some of the biggest tax credits available. Yep.
2: And and that's why you want to do your planning. Because if yes. you can put money in a retirement plan and squish that AGI down, these goodies are sitting right on the on the edge for some of you.
3: Yep. So an American Opportunity tax credits for the first four years of college. The other one, education related, is the lifetime learning credit. And this is for beyond the four years of first four years of college. It's a 20% tax credit on the first $10,000 that you spend on your education. And so that's again, that's 2000 bucks of actual money back in your pocket as a result of this credit. But that one starts phasing out once you're married, filing joint Adjusted gross income gets up between 111,000 and 131,000. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So, that's... so yeah, that affects even more people that it's it's gone once you get up to 130. Yep. And so then the the other one, if you don't qualify for either of those, there's kind of the uh, the little brother of those tax credits called the tuition and fees deduction. And again, this one it's it's a four thousand dollar deduction on the front page of your tax return up until your your income. Gets up to 130 thousand for a married married couple, between 130 160, then you can deduct up to 2 thousand. Beyond that, it's gone. Yeah. So, so you need to do planning
1: to make sure that you're taking advantage of those. But then also, Ryan, as you're just explaining that, how do you pick the right one? And you can't just rely on saw so, on this computer software. TurboTax is going to pick the right one for you. No, you need to strategize and sit down and talk to someone about it. So, yep. All right, folks, uh, we've got a couple questions from fans of the show that relate to taxes. I just got them, and while Ryan's here, I want to capitalize on that and uh, and tap into his brain and get some wisdom here. So, First question comes from John. It's actually a two-parter. He says, can you discuss the ins and outs of rolling over real estate sale proceeds into an additional real estate investment in, or- in order to avoid the taxes on the appreciation? Now, that's an earful right now, and most of you may not understand. We're going to actually take it as a two-part. The first part of that, I'm saying, all right, does someone need to pay tax when they sell their house? If they're moving and they just bought a new house, they're selling their house, is that taxable?
3: Good question, John. So for the majority of us here in Indiana, Michigan, in our area, the blanket answer is no, you do not need to pay tax on that. And the reason that we say that for most people is because of something uh, called the principal residence exclusion. And so around here, you can have up to, for a married couple, $500,000 of capital gain on your home and not pay a dime of, of tax on it. So you bought
1: a house for one hundred and fifty grand,
3: Right. You would need to sell it. For six hundred and
1: fifty one thousand before right. you'd have to pay any tax on that.
3: Right. And you'd owe on that extra thousand dollars. Since you made five hundred and one thousand, you'd have to pay tax on that. And and around here, most houses yeah. don't don't hit those prices. And and again, these aren't sales prices either. These are gains. So a lot of times people say, Oh my gosh, I'm selling my house for six hundred thousand. Am I gonna owe tax on this? Well, no, because you bought it for five hundred thousand, you yeah. know, fifteen years ago. There's only a hundred thousand dollars of gain; none of it's taxable.
1: I must get this question maybe a half dozen times a year. At I'm least, selling my yeah. house. Yep. What do I have to? What taxes do I need to set aside for this? Yep. So that's a great. That's a great question. Uh, the voice you're hearing is Ryan Fair, one of the CPAs over at Corhorn Finance Group, leads our entire tax team. He's sharing some tax wisdom with us. So the second part of John's question is essentially: What are the ins and outs of Tr- uh, of, of rolling over real estate proceeds from one property to another to avoid gains. We're not going to get too deep mm-hmm. into this, but Ryan, how would you address that question?
3: Yeah, John, this is this is a really complicated area of tax. There's, it's funny, we have continuing ed courses, and we could go to a full-day seminar just on excluding the gain on, on, a, on a piece of property. So what that's referring to is called the Section 1031 Exchange. 1031, that's just literally the tax code that they're referring to. And there's a ton of different guidelines and stipulations that you have to follow, have to get your T's crossed, I's dotted, exactly the way the tax law says in order to exclude that gain. Um, so again, I could, we could talk all day about this and still be confused, but if you have that, definitely co- go talk to a professional. So would that apply to your personal house, say if you were above that
1: 500000 possibly? Or would it need to be i I've heard of people doing this with investment property. Right.
3: That's where we typically deal with it is is rental properties or commercial real estate. You know, if you've got a business building that you've, you know, you've owned for a number of years and have, you know, a couple hundred thousand of gain, Mm -hmm. if you just straight up sell it, that's taxable capital gains and depreciation recapture where you can do a 1031 exchange and reinvest the proceeds into a new piece of real estate of similar characteristics.
1: But to to be clear here, if you're selling your house at a gain, you can exclude up to a half million dollars of that gain, and you don't actually need to use those proceeds to buy your next house. Right. right? You can just sell your house. Okay, so that's kind of the situation here with Nancy. She's second question here. She said, I sold my house earlier this year and moved into assisted living facility. I'm sorry to hear that, Nancy. Uh, How much money am I allowed to give my children without being taxed? I get this question. If I got the house sale question half a dozen times, I get this one at least a dozen.
3: Yep. So the the simple answer: fourteen thousand dollars per person per year you're allowed to give away. So you know I could here in the room I could give you know Mike fourteen thousand. I could give Mike's wife fourteen thousand. All right. Give Let's Kevin do it. fourteen. Kevin's wife fourteen. Each oh, of his oh. kids fourteen. Bring I like it. where this it's is going. Will. So Kevin, I need a raise. That's, yeah. What yeah. that's <laughs> um, But but yeah. So fourteen thousand per person per year you're allowed to give. Um, and again, spouses, all of that stuff ties together. So.
2: Yeah, Nancy, I'm not sure. When you say without being taxed, you, you may be thinking about income tax. I don't think you are. You're probably thinking about federal estate tax or some sort of state estate tax. And that's where the, the $14,000 comes into play. Yeah, and, Go and ahead,
3: even Ryan. beyond that, beyond the $14,000, you are allowed to give in your lifetime. It's like $5.48 million per But per person that you can give to non spouses. And so
1: it's just over 14 where you actually have to report it and file a gift tax return, which sounds scary, but it's not not scary. So, okay. Well, Ryan, thanks for being on the show with us today. Ryan's been on a couple times. This won't be his last. You know, taxes are really technical, but it's a, it's a, just a critical area of someone's overall financial plan and financial life. So once again, Ryan Fair is one of the CPAs with us at Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. If you missed anything, check out the podcast. Go to iTunes, subscribe to it, or check it out on wisemoneyradio.com. So on behalf of Ryan Fair, Kevin Corhorn, and myself, the rest of us at Corhorn Financial Group, Folks have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Right here on 95.3. Securities offered through Silver Oak
0: Securities member FIDRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.